0: Hi everyone, my name is Simon Hilborn and I work with The Manta Trust and I'm here today on The Big Scuba Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to The Big Scuba. We are back everybody. This is episode 43, Gemma. It
2: is, yes.
1: Uh, You know we always love to get to people with a few stats and a few interesting facts. Well, I've got one for you. Did you know 43
2: comes after 42?
1: That is very true, but also comes for forty-four. No, did you know George W. Bush? His nickname while he was in charge um, was actually called Forty-Three because he was the forty-third um, president. So yeah, that's what these refer to Yeah, there we go. So a little interesting fact <laughs> that may be true. Uh, right. So where are we? We are. Uh going to be talking to you today to Manta Trust. Yep,
2: we're we'll talking to Simon Hilborn from yep. Manta Trust. He's currently in the UK, but he knows a lot about mantis.
1: Now, there was a reason why we've done Manta Trust, and that's because it kind of links in nicely with our last Project guest. To wear. Project Aware. Episode 14. Yeah, and they've got a little bit of crossover because they do refer um, to Manta Trust in that episode. And uh, it was a really good one to do following, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. They both obviously do a lot with the conservation of the mantas across the world.
1: It is, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we have had uh, Mount Pacific on before, so these are very similar. Yeah. Uh, but a different part of the world.
2: Yeah, they're all doing their all doing their bit, aren't they? They're
1: all doing their bit for uh, you know, um, keeping an eye, an eye on where, what's happening with these mantas. This is really good so yes so that's what's coming up but before we get into our guest let's just very quickly do a little shout out to some of our friends and uh, supporters so hello to our patrons as always hello guys and um, but also if you are in the market, you know what I'm going to say. If you are looking to buy a dive <laughs> camera, Gemma, yep. where are you going to go to to get a dive camera? Paralens. Paralens, exactly. And if you look on the, the notes for this podcast, you'll see that there's some links. Go on that link, that will take you to Paralins and you can put an order in today or whenever you get in this podcast of how you can get a Fequita for Krita. They're very good. We're using them. Although we're not diving at the moment, we're in lockdown, unfortunately. But, you know... Uh, you
2: can get prepared. You can get, get prepared.
1: And yeah. you can get that pre-order in. So soon as you're out of lockdown, you can go diving and attach it. Some photographers, they attach it to the old camera on top, don't they? Yep. yep. And get housing for them and all sorts.
2: Perfect Christmas present.
1: They are, yes. Christmas. Christmas is just around the corner. So you can get prepared and also there's all sorts of manner of things and we use them out of the water in the water yeah okay if you are thinking about getting a drone okay as well look out for the notes for a drone because we can save you some money how good is that five percent if you're looking for a drone there's a uh, two or three on there i believe yep
2: dji drones
1: yeah look out for them and uh really good And um, there's quite a few people now using them and um, uh, there's a whole manner of big drones, small drones, whatever you like. Yeah, so yeah, there's
2: a lot of choice there for you to decide. Don't just take
1: our word, look on the notes, follow the links and save yourself some money and yeah, see what they do. If you wash your hair.
2: Or you need sunscreen.
1: That could be you. You might be interested to know that we can also help you with that. I know.
2: Yeah, Stream to See.
1: Stream to See. We have links for them as well. So uh, look out for that in the notes. If They do all sorts of things. They do, they?
2: yep. So if you go on their website, put an order in, and you'll get a discount code for your order.
1: Yeah, here we go. So you heard it here. So you heard it on the big scuba. So that's. So what we've covered so far is a camera for you to dive with, your DJI drone, something to wash your hair with. <laughs> what else have we got to cover? We've
2: got a bike
1: a bike so yes um these are not just any old bike these are eco-friendly let's help you as you pe-
2: Ped- pedal, pedal along
1: yeah bikes they are and the build quality are brilliant now these are, are a whirlwind bike they are brilliant yep. really yep. good bikes we've been using them and uh whizzing around yeah <laughs> i couldn't believe it they actually if you want to experience a turbo uh, turbo feeling as you go away <laughs> you go away with a whoosh.
2: Yeah it certainly puts a smile on your face. Certainly it's a great do. little bike.
1: Yeah, yeah it certainly did brilliant.
2: Ideal for commuting or just using as a little run around at the shops.
1: Yeah uh, so you know if you live in the city you know so you should run in a car about if, it, if it's a hassle you know of moving a car and getting it parked. You can these are actually they're foldable, even the pedals fold up, the the handlebars fold down, it folds together, it weighs 16k, 16 kilos. Easy, you can easily pick up. And uh yeah, they are brilliant. And uh we went to the post office. We We did, and you were like pedaling (laughs) away, pedaling away, and I was doing a fraction of the pedal. So, you know you know brilliant absolutely great and you get this big whoosh as you go along especially when you put it in the top
2: yep so, so we've got a special discount code
1: we have yeah so if you are interested and you want to know more contact us uh, send us a message and we can uh, send you a mess- send you back a um code to give you save you some more money yeah. so actually if you listen to us not only do we tell you about diving and we bring you some important some great guests we actually save your money yeah, yeah. and bring you some fun as well how good is yes. that so uh yeah almost like a, What's the word? Community? Yeah, you can
2: be on your bike, flying a drone above you. You
1: can, how about that? So it's an all round thing. Yeah. There we go. So anyway, it's enough of us running on. but I think we should uh, crack on to our guest. Maybe. Yes, so we've got Simon Hilborn
2: from the Manta Trust.
1: Awesome, enjoy.
2: Simon Hillborn, thank you for joining us from the Manta Trust. Uh, would you like to kick off and tell us a bit about
0: yourself? Uh, sure. Well, first of all, thanks very much for for having me. Um, I have been with the Manta Trust for about four years now. Um, I started off out in the Maldives uh, working for the Maldivian Manta Ray Project, um, and I carried on working out there at a number of our bases around the, around the country. I think we have uh, six different um, sites where we do research and conservation activities, and I worked at a number of those. Um, and then in the last couple of years, I've, I've moved away from being full-time in the Maldives and I work for now the wider Manta Trust charity uh, running all the sort of uh, digital media and communications stuff for the, uh, for the charity.
1: Wow. Quite a busy job.
0: Uh, yes especially in recent months now that everything seems to be online and digital um, <laughs> a lot more of it seems to be coming my way but uh, no it's good. Yeah
2: well, so people have got more time on their hands as well to look at everything as well online haven't
0: they? Yeah yeah so I yeah. joined yeah, during the sort of COVID lockdown period, we uh, we instigated a number of new uh, initiatives, like an online kids club and a webinar series and stuff like that. So when we're not able to sort of meet people in person um, through tourism, um, we kind of had to look for other tactics to to get the message out and to share um, insights and news and and inform people. So yeah, we kind of took some of it online.
2: Yeah, have you noticed quite a big increase in your kind of followers and audience
0: out there? Um. At the beginning, for sure, um, it was going really well. And then I think as lockdown started to ease, people started going back to their normal jobs, uh, had less time to sort of sit down and listen to uh, webinars about Mantaroos all day long, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, hopefully, yeah, some people have yeah, sort of learned a bit more through the lockdown about mantas as well and what
0: you do. Yeah, I definitely think we, uh, we managed to reach out to a slightly different audience, um, which is always good.
1: Yeah, that no, is. So uh, you're you an instructor?
0: Um, I was a PADI instructor and a BSAC instructor. Um, I don't do any teaching anymore. Um, yeah, I kind of moved away from the, the tourism side and tried to focus more on the conservation and the, the animal side of things. But yeah, um, yeah still a avid diver. Um, do as much as I can whenever I can.
1: Yeah, that's good. So how did you get into diving?
0: um that's a little bit of an odd one um my i grew up in sri lanka for a, for a number of years when i was a little kid and both my parents learned to scuba dive there and they really loved it i was too young at the time um but then we moved to thailand and i did my my open water when i was, I did, I don't know, it was junior open water um and then the whole family could dive so we would sort of go on little dive holidays here and there um i just kind of fell in love with it and i kept going and kind of did my advanced open water then rescue um, my parents were just recreational fun divers um, and then yeah I did my, took a year out, did my dive master. Worked in Australia for a year on the Great Barrier Reef during my instructors course.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, then came back to university in England um, to do yeah, a degree in marine biology and that's kind of where I started to drift away from teaching diving and the kind of tourism side of it more towards the, uh, the conservation and the animals.
1: That's a great foundation. When you you know to hear that uh, that you you know you had that background right from uh, a child all the way through, that's brilliant, isn't
0: it? Yeah, and, I mean, so you must have got your perfect job, virtually. Yeah, uh, pretty much. If yeah, you're not in the water all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I mean, um, I mean I, yeah, I was incredibly sort of fortunate with with being able to learn to dive at such a young age and having that access to it, um, which. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, even my, when I was at university doing a four-year degree in marine biology, there were a lot of people on the course who'd never been scuba diving in their life. And I mm-hmm. found that a bit odd that you'd sign up yeah. for a sort of four-year degree course and had never tried scuba diving. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's landed me in a in a very nice position now. I really enjoy yeah. my work and my job.
2: Yeah, well, I give well, an understanding in the underwater world as well, as you've actually been there as well. Yeah so have you've
0: done much diving in the u k uh not too much um i haven't spent much time living in the u k over the, over the years um at university was kind of the the main time and i would I would spend my summers going off and working as an instructor in different places around the world as a sort of summer job um, since lockdown now though I've done a little bit more i've uh, been to Lundy, um tried to do the blue shark snorkeling uh, went up and saw the basking sharks off um Isle of Coal this summer as well, which was really cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's uh, a lot more around the UK that I'd love to, love to see because, yeah, it can be really, really nice.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, lockdown has proved that to a lot of people that UK has a lot to offer for divers. Yeah, when the conditions are right.
0: Yeah, yeah. no yeah. mantas, unfortunately, but lots of other really.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners, can you tell us a bit more about the Manta Trust and kind of how it started and evolved?
0: Sure. Um, So it was set up, uh, I think, well, a number of years ago back in the Maldives when Dr. Guy Stevens was a marine biologist at uh, the Four Seasons Resort over there. Um, And he was basically the resort marine biologist on the boats um, and sort of noticed that there were a lot of these manta rays around and found it quite interesting and started to collect some sort of data on the side just as a fun little hobby, I think. Um, And basically approached the the general manager of the resort and asked for support in kind of setting up a bit more of a long term established project. Um, And that's kind of how the Maldivian manta ray project uh, was born and then over a couple of years of sort of collecting data on the mantas there, it was realized that um, mantas don't just need sort of researching and protecting and conservation in the Maldives. Um, so he established Manta Trust as a kind of umbrella charity um, in 2011, I believe. So I've only been an official charity for yeah, just under 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're a UK and US registered charity. Um, and the way the Manta Trust kind of works is we've got the, the Maldives as our um, starting base where we sort of built up from. Um, but we kind of act as an umbrella organization or umbrella charity for lots of different affiliate projects all, the way, all around the world and a means for them to all sort of connect and collaborate and work together. Um, so we've got, I think it's between 20 and 25 different affiliate projects from uh, Mexico, Brazil, Costa Rica, to the Azores, um, Sri Lanka, Maldives, um, Indonesia, and then down into sort of um, New Zealand, French Polynesia, that kind of area as well. So in, in the majority of the Nanta hotspots around the world, we have an affiliate project who, that's their own sort of charity, their own whatever organization or business. Uh, and, and they just sort of work with us and collaborate with us and we help them find funding and put them in contact with uh, researchers and, and sort of, yeah, share ideas and, and knowledge between them all. Well,
1: that's good because funding, uh, especially funding, is the, probably one of the hardest things, isn't it? Getting financial support for these projects.
0: Yes, uh, very much so, and I mean, this year has kind of really shown that a lot of, a lot of our affiliate projects, the smaller ones, are very reliant on on tourism, Yeah. Um, either working with a collaborative sort of dive center, so whoever the research is, just basically works as a dive instructor, that's their kind of their job, their earning, and then they work part-time running their sort of manta conservation project on the side, so as soon as that tourism gets, um, gets taken away, yeah, funding starts to dry up pretty quickly, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so yeah, being able to work with sort of Manta Trust, we can help facilitate, like help them get slightly larger grants, and also we we provide funding um, from time to time from the, the, the sort of Manta Trust pot.
1: Yeah, and are you uh, finding um, more organisations coming on board, or are you finding that through the COVID things are find are you finding that harder to to sort of um, collaborate with?
0: Um, no, I mean, we haven't none of our projects are sort of closed down, thankfully, um, I think a lot of them went kind of on hold whilst they couldn't really do anything and they it just everything went a little bit stagnant in terms of collecting data and being able to be out in the field. Mm. Um, but a lot of our team, what we basically did was turn tack and like we've been collecting this data for years and years. Uh, now is kind of the time to sit down and turn this all into scientific publications and get that out into into yeah published journals and stuff like that. So uh, This year we've seen uh, quite a spike in the number of, sort of scientific publications that we've, mm. we've um, Published between between all the different affiliate projects, which is really really good to see because I mean we're collecting all that data And we kind of know about it, but until you get that peer reviewed and into the public domain uh, It's not really helping too many other people. So yeah
1: so who do you feed that information to because we spoke to like manta pacific and you know through the podcast we spoke to mm-hmm. other groups like project aware as well mm-hmm. it seems like you're all gathering data yeah. on different animals and some the same animals but then do you then all work together to say so you've got like uh, a community
0: of,
2: centralized pot of yeah. data
0: yeah Um, Currently, no. Um, Unfortunately, there's a sort of a lot of politics with that sort of thing. Um, Again, it comes back to funding, like funding depends on what you've published and that all depends on what data you've collected. So as soon as you start sharing your data, unfortunately, it starts to make all that a little bit more complicated. Um, So kind of generally no, but if there is something specific that we want to investigate, so if we're talking about um, mantas out in Socorro versus along the Pacific mainland coast of Mexico, um, down into sort of central South America. If there's some specific project that we want to start looking at, okay, are these mantas moving and migrating between these these areas? Those two or three affiliate projects might get together and and sign an MOU and start sharing their data based on that. And if there's a reason to do it, they will sort of work towards that. Um, So similar in in the Maldives um, with our sort of oceanic manta ray population in the Maldives. And then there's uh, quite a substantial um, manta fishery over in Sri Lanka. So if they get any sort of um, IDs from the mantas being caught and killed in the fish market, uh, they send them through to us and we can kind of compare them to figure out if that was uh, a manta that we had identified alive swimming around in the Maldives or nothing.
1: Yeah, I'd say there's one thing I've noticed, um, and it, it might be because of the podcast. I don't know, but I don't remember it. Previous to this year, this phrase "citizen science," mm. you know, and uh, we, you know, one of our partners is Paralens, um, yeah. And it's one of the things that they uh, have pushed quite a bit on their app. Yeah, is to so if people uh, are diving and you know, and they see a, a manta ray, they can log it on their app, same as you can with the. The other Manta Trust and uh, Manta Pacific, and there's it's not just them, but there's other people got other
2: all species, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Uh, SSI, you can log through the SSI yeah. app, um, different species that you witness. Yeah,
2: locations. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. and you, we, we, we're we we're talking about the Maldives. is Blue O2, you know, mm-hmm. another partner who have also now gone live with their liverboard, uh, yeah. and they're now back out in the Maldives. So and they're now pushing people as, as citizen scientists, mm. Galapagos. And it's really great. And I don't remember a pre- the previous year no. <laughs> uh, this hashtag citizen science being a thing. And yeah. since, like, this, I don't know whether it's because like, we've all been sitting at home thinking, let's all go out diving. And,
2: and the podcast you know, as well. Uh,
1: you know, and I thought, well, this is really good because we're all getting this technology and companies you know, and, and uh, organisations like Manta Trust are, are making it easier for people like me and you you know, when we go dive and we can
0: say, We've seen one, we've been one, we've seen one, you know, and we can argue yeah. it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And we, I think it, we couldn't. People also find it really interesting. I mean, if you if you go on a dive and you see a turtle or a manta or whatever, it's kind of okay, that was that was cool. But if you can then reach out to an organization who's researching those and you sort of submit the photos and they get back to you and say, Oh yeah, that's a pregnant female we've known for seven years she was pregnant two years ago. Last year she was actually entangled in some fishing line, but somebody managed to cut her free. Like that whole story, it suddenly makes that manta, oh, it's not just a manta. Like now you have a background to that individual and you it, there's a lot more connection, um, which I think is really lovely for for sort of divers. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's nice for them, but then also the sort of charity or the conservation group, that's another tiny little piece of the puzzle to figure out where these animals are going and what they're doing and how long they live for, which seem like quite simple questions but for in the case of manta rays, often we don't really know the answers to those yet so and you, I mean, need, really you need
1: um divers to actually literally buy in don't you to buy in to to support uh manna trust because you know the more involved the average scuba divers they don't have to be a tech dog they can just be a uh,
0: fun
1: diver i guess you know yeah, um, literally
0: all we need from a, from a submission is we need a, a clear enough photo and that doesn't have to be from a dslr setup with strobes or anything like that it's as long as we can see the spot patterns yeah. and you give us the location like the dive site name and we know the date and i mean the time is is helpful but not so necessary but as long as we know which to that was where it was on what day that's enough for us to sort of log it as a as a piece of information and everyone records that in their logbooks anyway. Everyone's now got a GoPro or a little uh, TG5 or something. So yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> I guess there's no excuse really now. Or a power lens, yeah. you've got to drop that in for a <laughs> power lens. Exactly. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, and it also is really good because it just connects the divers to the underwater world much more, doesn't it? It gives them, a, yeah, they're going there to see things, but it, it just follows on. It gives them a more... More of a story i think doesn't
1: it to,
0: yeah yeah sort of yeah. take
2: ownership of
0: something as well which is really good yeah with our with our mantas in the maldives as well if you submit an id and it's a new manta ray uh, one that we don't have in our database already uh, you get to name it so throughout the mo- majority of the maldives uh, where there's quite sort of heavy dive tourism and we have our research um, bases and stuff it's quite unusual to get a new manta but if you're on an expedition somewhere up to the, the far north of the maldives or to a slightly unusual area um yeah it's quite a good chance that you you might get a new manta and then you get to name it and it will forever be in our database yeah yeah,
2: we're waiting for the big scuba manta yeah we need (laughs) a
1: big scuba manta that's what we need yeah
2: Yeah. so with your projects do you do any tagging and sort of track all these mantas um
0: around the world we do uh in the Maldives specifically we don't do any tagging of mantas Um, there's unfortunately quite um, negative reception towards uh, tagging of of individuals. I don't think there's quite like the clear understanding of the benefits that come along with it. Um, So there's, yeah, there's quite a bit of sort of negativity around the whole tagging um, situation. So yeah, we tend to try and steer clear of it as much as possible, which is a bit of a shame because uh, like as mentioned for the oceanic rays in the south of the Maldives, um, they are being caught and killed in in large numbers in Sri Lanka. So until we understand kind of where they're going and we see them for such a small window, so the only real way of sort of collecting that data is through either tagging or biopsy samples to then do genetic comparisons and things like that. But the yeah. so mantas yeah, are legally being fished around the world, are they? Yeah, um, it's. More and more countries are moving away from sort of it being legal, um, but there are still a few countries around the world, uh, like Sri Lanka, for example, where the fishing of manta rays or all mobulas, yeah, whether it's oceanic manta's or little devil rays and whatever, it is still legal. Um, so yeah, that is a bit of an issue. Mm. There's a lot more sort of rules and regulations in terms of international trade of these. So the the economic driver for catching mobulas is the gill plates, which are dried out and sent to sort of southern China uh, to be eaten in gill plate soup, peng su yai. So it follows a very similar trend to shark fin where it's got these sort of um, magical healing abilities and it's kind of a pseudo remedy and it's, it's basically heavily marketed by the, the sellers um, for all of these yeah, false um, cures to ailments. Um, and that's, that's that's the main economic driver for for these fisheries, really. In a lot of the countries, the the mantle and mobula meat is eaten, but it's not a it's not a delicacy. It doesn't fetch as high prices or tuna or wahoo or something like that. It's uh, yeah, it's the gill plates that really make it financially viable to to be catching them.
2: Pretty shocking. So, so you
1: actually need governments to um, get involved as well, then, really, don't you? To, Right.
0: Yeah, so that I mean that's what we've done in a number of countries around the world. Uh, we've worked with um, often the local sort of NGOs in in the in country to basically lobby the government to put in protection, and then with the international sort of agreements with CMS and with CITES, um, Antitrust has played a big part in kind of pushing um, for rules and regulations for the international trade. Um, so. Yeah, now it should technically be quite hard to trade Manta parts around the world, but often what we find is um, it's just put down on the sort of, um, uh, on the labels for, for customs and stuff instead of Manta gill plates, it's just dried fish. Mm. So then obviously customs and whatever they, I mean, they, they don't really know what they're looking at and it's, yeah, then it's a whole whole another issue. Um, so yeah, there's loopholes which we need to try and plug.
2: Yeah. So in your time at Manta Trust have you noticed a sort of trend in terms of the manta populations or sightings?
0: Um, it's very hard to say with with that sort of thing um, over long periods of time, um, especially considering we haven't really been collecting data for that long and these animals live for sort of 30-40 years, so to see population trends is quite tricky. Um, Around the world, though, we have sort of seen a lot of populations in decline. And one of the easiest way to tell that is from the fisheries. So the fishermen are just having harder and harder time catching as many mantas or, or mobblers. Um, and that's a clear indication that, okay, we didn't know that population really existed. Like, we didn't have photo IDs of all these individuals or anything. But just the fact that the fishermen no longer can catch them, it's a, it's a clear sign that the population has been um, quite heavily um, reduced. In the Maldives though, uh, mantas and sharks have had protection for a number of years and it's a it's a really healthy population. Um, yeah, our n- the number of mantas on our record keeps going up but that's because we very rarely find dead mantas. They sink um, so it's very hard to sort of cross on off the list and say that manta is no longer alive. I think we only have mm. two or three accounts where that's happened Um but there's definitely going to be more that have just, I don't know, died of old age or whatever. Mm. But yeah
1: looking on the endangered nature list, the red list, they're all they're all uh, recorded as in decrease in numbers.
0: Yeah, um, in kind of a, a global sense, yeah, um, that is the sort of the overall um, story. The issue is with, with things like manta rays or species like manta rays, they reproduce so infrequently, they have one baby, one pup at a time, sort of every five to seven years, um, then that baby oh, 10 10 years or so to reach sexual maturity and then to reproduce again so even in the like best of conditions that population is going to be very very slow to increase and to grow Mm. as soon as you add in any sort of fishing effort it's it's really going to start to to put some heavy pressure on the population Mm. Um, so yeah so in terms of a sustainable fishery for for manta rays the the concept just doesn't exist it's it's not feasible really at all
2: yeah, it's a shame, but yeah, but at least you've got you know yourselves working towards yeah,
1: protection quite well. I didn't realize they take so long, you know, they have to that's 10 years or so before they can actually, you know, breathe. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, about 10, 10 years before they reach before maturity they that
1: stage, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it's great.
1: Quite... going on, and uh, mm-hmm. those, you see why you need the support and uh, the government governments to sort of get behind like Manta Trust and really.
0: Change. Yeah. I but I mean, things are definitely moving in the right direction with a lot of these countries. They, they're either considering it or they have started to take measures or they've or actually gone ahead and, and added manta rays and mobile rays to the national protection lists and stuff. So it is all moving in the, in the right direction. Um, then one of the big issues is, OK, what's happening on the high seas outside of all of these countries, like national territory waters out in the open ocean? Um, especially with sort of mobulers and stuff and with the with tuna fishing fleets we just really have so little data about what's going on out there with these fishing fleets and how many they're catching um, yeah so it's, and that's a very hard thing for researchers to go out because I mean hiring a, a boat to just go out and search the open ocean uh, is incredibly expensive and the chance of you coming across what you're looking for very very slim so
1: and they're not exactly going to be uh, particularly Uh, happy about researchers turning up to see what they're up to either.
0: No, exactly. Um, I mean, a lot of countries have fishery observers on board and and things and um, regional fisheries uh, organisations are starting to realise the importance of sharks and rays for healthy ecosystems So they are starting to put in their own measures and stuff. So again, it is moving in the right direction. It's just a question of are we moving that direction fast enough to uh, to kind of protect these species? Um,
1: so how do you think next year is going to pan out? You know, do you think you know what? Have got any projects coming up for next year?
0: Uh, the manta trust. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure in terms of really big projects in the Maldives. We've got some uh, some cool little things going on. Um, I'm carrying on the oceanic manta uh, research with that population down in the south, which is um, yeah really exciting. Uh, the number of new manta rays we id this year, if we kind of carry on doing that every year, um, it could potentially be the largest population of oceanics in the world in a, in a couple of years. Um, Maldives already has the largest population of reef mantas, um, so that would be a, a, a pretty cool milestone. Um, this year's project was supposed to be happening in March, which is the window for the oceanics in, in the deep south, um, but obviously the pandemic kind of got in the way of all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the Maldives, we, we're we rolling out some some new time-lapse photography cameras. So, again, sort of same idea with citizen science. Um, our researchers, you, we can only be in one place at one time with one camera. I mean, on a dive site two kilometers away, there might be 50 mantas swimming around. And if you're not there, you're not there and you don't get that data. So we're trying to deploy these these cameras underwater. And they take a photo once every minute. For like the whole of daylight hours.
1: How are you going to do that then? Are they going to be fixed? Or
0: uh, yeah, just kind of weighted to the to the sea floor, angled up at the cleaning station. Um, yeah, and just sort of set to to take a photo every minute, and then they'll turn off overnight so we don't sort of waste the battery. Whole bunch of sort of power banks in in this uh, PVC pipe tube thing, and yeah, uh, come back a few days later or a week later, swap the camera over, and yeah. download the photos. Yeah, be really exciting to kind of uncover, yeah, another view. Yeah, and drones. Sorry? Have you ever looked at these drones? Yeah, we use drones as well um, to survey, obviously up from the boat it's quite hard to sort of see too far, and um, so we'll just put the drone up and, and search a few of the areas that we know mantas are often found feeding. Uh, you can see feeding mantas really easily from the drone. It's big black diamond on, on the water. Mm. Uh, as soon as man rays are sort of under the water on the cleaning stations, it's much more difficult to to pick them out from the drones. Yeah. But yeah, they're yeah they're really useful.
1: drones as well though, can't you?
0: Yeah, you can. Uh, we did get one, um, but it was like a it was a tethered one. So yeah. it had 30, thirty meter of cable kind of thing. Um, Visibility in the Maldives is normally 30 meters and it's really hot so I just prefer to jump in with my mask on rather than get the drone out. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah, so I mean if we could get ones without the tether or ones that can go
1: uh, to 100
0: meters or so. Sorry?
1: I wondered if their behavior would be different.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a whole nother kettle of fish. We don't want to be uh, chasing the mantas around with little whirring drones either. So yeah, what impact that would have on their behaviour, um, we'd need to assess that first as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's good. So what, what is the population of um, mantas, the oceanic ones in Sri Lanka? What sort of numbers are you talking?
0: Uh, so in the Maldives we've recorded, I think we're about 700 um, different individuals, but last year we recorded, I think 350 mantas and two of them were the same as the year before. Um, so we basically doubled the population from 350 to 700 and only two of them were like returning. So this year we were assuming we would hopefully get another sort of 300 on, on record. Maybe a few more were re now we've got more years of data. Um, but I think the biggest population of oceanics is only between two and 3,000. Um, I think that's over in, uh, um, either Ecuador or, or Peru kind of area. Um, but I mean, those research projects have been going on for 10 or 15 years. We've had like two years of data from um, the oceanics. So um, yeah. And then with figures. with the reef manta rays, uh, the population in the Maldives, we're getting very close to 5,000 individuals on record. Um, so that's by far the biggest population of, of reef mantas anywhere in the world, which is, is quite cool. Yeah, no, it's
1: good. that must be really
0: hard to get those sort of type of figures, though, to
1: even, you know, work them, work that out.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've basically got a huge database of, of each of these manta rays uh, spot patterns. Um, obviously, it's all sorted by males and females and how many spots and things like that. So if we get, if you send in a photo of a manta, thankfully, we don't have to go through and compare it to all 5,000 of the other mantas. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that
1: spot different to
0: that one? You know? it, it, honestly, it is like that. And after a long day out on the boat searching for these animals and then a long day in the office afterwards, catch the manta um, your eyes do start to um, yeah yeah it's uh yeah not not the funnest part of the job but we have um we've got some software under development which is hopefully going to make that all automated and basically use um effectively like image recognition software um like ai software kind of thing and it should hopefully just
1: so is that coming out on an app
0: yeah um i i guess we will try and get an app eventually but it will be uh web web based thing first um, you everyone can sort of again, sign up and make their own account and then you can log all your mentors that you've seen all around the world. And then you can pop back on next year and click on your mentor and see where it's been since then and, and all sorts of things like that. At the moment, we have all of that. But it is very manual and you kind of got to reach out to us and we have to check our little Excel documents and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's gonna hopefully streamline that make it all much more sleek. Um, and more appealing to, sort of, the citizens' It's almost like a
1: ship finder, you, see, you know, you try to send that, and it'd be really groovy to say, like, say you go on holiday to the Maldives, <laughs> and while you're there, and you see this manta ray, right, and you log it and all that, and when you get home, you can then go back, oh, where is it? That's yeah. how it yeah. you know, see if there's any more sightings of it, and, yeah.
2: you know. It's yeah. fascinating how they travel, and, yeah. It would.
0: Yeah. And for our for our sort of common mantas in the Maldives, that will there'll be some really nice information because every sort of season we get thirty sightings of that individual, so it's uh, you'll get kind of a lot of data for like the oceanic mantas, for example, where we've seen them once, and then I don't know they might pop up in a few years' time, and we get a second sighting. Um, I mean, far less sort of information, still really really interesting. Where have they been for those last four or five years? They haven't been anywhere near the Maldives, sort of there's Hundreds of divers in the water every day. So
2: it's amazing. Um, There's so much that's unknown about Yeah,
0: them. we're just out there swimming around in the open ocean.
2: Yeah,
0: very cool. <laughs> well, look at what um,
1: the
2: whale shark is another example. Yeah. yeah, we've spoken to the guys in the Galapagos and yeah, they'll just see them one season and then they just don't know where they go. Yeah, but they, they're yeah. saying
1: that, you know, uh, they turn up at the Galapagos and about they disappear for like six weeks, I think mm. it's like four to six mm. weeks. Mm. And they're with 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 a, a baby. And they're mm. ha- hang on, we no, nobody saw that. Nobody's actually seen yeah. it." Not, you think we've got all this technology and everything? And almost, it's still quite good that you know this is a mystery because sometimes you do want mysteries. Isn't it? Like, you know, is that is that where they give birth? You don't know.
0: Do you?
2: It's the old quest. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it, it
0: is. is yes. It's same for mantas. We have no idea where they give where they give birth. There's a few videos from pregnant females in aquariums on YouTube. But in terms of in the wild, there's no, no documented records of a manta ray giving birth. So wow. yeah, it's a, a big question. And I mean, we're a team of around the world, probably 40, 50 scientists working full time on manta research and <laughs> we haven't figured this one out yet. So <laughs> yeah. still one of the big questions, but So yeah, is
1: everybody exciting. in Manta Trust, about 40 or 50? How many people you got in the, so big team in the UK?
0: no uh in the sort of core team of the Manta trust in the uk we're or yeah around the world we're about six people um in the Maldives, across the whole country we have when we're sort of fully up and running in normal times i think between 12 and 15 staff um and then uh around the world yeah with sort of 20 25 different affiliate projects each one will probably have two or three staff something like that um but also some of those affiliate projects they're not just focused on manta rays. Um, so like in in, in um, Costa Rica, uh, Connect Oceans with Ernst, he runs all sorts of uh, diving, training, um, uh, teaching diving to sort of people with disabilities and getting them in the water, all sorts of ocean um, education and outreach with local communities and schools, and also has kind of a little um, manta ray side project kind of thing, and that part of his project is, is connected with the Manta Trust as an affiliate
1: And how are you finding getting support from uh, some of the the marine uh, manufacturers and companies that are out there? Do you find you get support for them? I think you've got some some collaborations. As I (laughs) I get my false teeth right.
0: Yes. um, Yeah, we've got a number of commercial supporters around around the world. Um, A lot of those are kind of um, small independent brands, people who make I don't know jewelry that they sell on Etsy or they do artwork about mantas and stuff and they they sell it and they um, donate a commission small percentage to the manta trust um, and then we also have some some larger partners uh Karl F. Boucher is a, a Swiss luxury watch brand who've been supporting us for a number of years um, funding a lot of sort of big projects with us um, and what they did is basically we gave them. 188 uh, different manta rays with their spot patterns and they engraved them onto the onto the back of each of their like um well one onto each of their uh watches so that that was a unique watch like nobody else would have that watch because it's linked with that exact manta ray and then that um again sort of the whole database you'd have a little profile about your manta and where it'd been and where it'd been seen and, and so forth um so yeah, they've been incredibly supportive over, over the years. I don't think we have too many partnerships with um, uh, like dive brands or anything. Um, we've had a few donations from uh, like Mares in the Maldives. Uh, they donated a whole bunch of snorkeling equipment to our education program, which we, we give out to local schools that we run um, education outreach with. Um, so we've had sort of, yeah, things here and there with them you'd
1: also do the adopter manta ray like uh, you know we do adopt the donkey adopt the penguin. the penguin adopt the whatever but you can also you know if, if you're listening you can also ad- adopt a, a manta ray how cool is that
0: yeah exactly it's, it's, it's really cool. nice it's uh the pack is all digital so it's like a it's an eco-friendly gift as well we don't we don't have to print out anything or post it halfway across the world um, you get like a little fact file about your Manta, a uh, little poster to print, little kids' activity pack as well. So it's um, yeah, like Manta Ray Crosswords and Spot the Difference and yeah, kids' activities in there as well. So they make really nice gifts. Yeah.
2: And it's really good getting children involved as well because, you know, they're the future, aren't they? And you want to, yeah. So...
1: You're tapped onto a Michael Jackson song, their children are our future. Did I? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> In our future, but that's very good. But no, um, you know, if you're if you're a scuba diver and you've got a scuba diver in your life, you know, get them a, a, a Doctor Manta Ray right? for Christmas.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, where does the majority of your funding come from? Is it through donations and government? Um,
0: yeah, we get a, a good chunk through sort of um, yeah donations, either through we've got a members only platform called the Cyclone, which um, effectively is a monthly donation or an annual donation. And in return, you get access to uh, a separate section of our website where we we put up um, uh, special interviews and um, bespoke videos that are only for um, Cyclone members. Um, so yeah, between that and donations, uh, merchandise sales, uh, adopt Manto, all sorts of things like that. Um, some of the funding comes from that but then also um, large chunks come from specific grants that we we apply to mm-hmm. um, so either it's for running the core operations team which is always the hardest part to fund um, people are sort of quite happy to donate a few hundred pounds to go towards sort of satellite tags to use our mantas which hopefully will track and, and figure out all this really cool stuff um, but nobody really wants to donate money to pay for the Person who's running the social media or for doing the spreadsheets for the finances for the charity or something that's it's nowhere near as glamorous um, so that's I think all charities are in the same boat with that's the difficult bit to fund um but yeah if we if we have a specific um, research project going on, whether it's um yeah tagging or genetics or or trying to search in a new area in a new location uh, we'll apply to specific research grants as well to hopefully fund. Uh, a two or three year sort of research project
1: but the back office jobs are just as important as those Mm. who are out in the field because you know uh you're all a team aren't you you know the you you can't spread just a message as we're finding out you (laughs) know by going diving all the time as much as we'd like to go diving all the time we've got to do do all this thing on the phone and
0: yeah all sorts uh, of admin and stuff that goes along with it and um yeah there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes of running these things that I think people <laughs> don't really realize yeah.
2: yeah and as you're a worldwide virtually aren't you you're yeah over its yeah, must be even harder so have you got plans to go back off to the Maldives or are you saying u k based
0: yeah um well, I'll be back out there sort of february march April time for the oceanic season next year um and then I was supposed to be out in September running, so we've got kind of a a sister organization called Manta Expeditions, who run um, tourism, citizen science, essentially trips, um, dive liverboards around the world, um, but focused on mantas kind of thing. So I was supposed to be running one of those in September, but that got canceled. So might have one or two more of those next year. Um, yeah, they're, they're really good, sort of a week long liverboard. but I will give presentations about Manta research, Manta conservation, fish biology, coral reefs, whale sharks. Yeah, kind of, so it's a bit more educational and in- engaging and uh, yeah, and obviously we'll focus on trying to collect as many mantra IDs as well um, on yeah. the trips. Um, yeah, yeah um, I think those are, other than that, I think I will be probably based in the UK. Um, so yeah, I'll have to figure out how I'm going to get my fix of scuba diving over the cold winter months, especially without a dry suit. Got a dry be brave. <laughs> have you got a dry
2: suit?
0: i don't actually uh no. it's one thing i need to invest in yeah
1: yeah you do know you need dry suit unfortunately okay, really. yeah. yeah definitely yeah
2: it was it, it seems like it was too hot in the summer but
1: yeah now i realize that, yeah <laughs> yeah nearly nearly tro- what, 18 20 degrees <laughs> yeah. you have a lot of dive list dive you know bucket list where you know where you most want to go dive. because you're, you're in the fortunate position where you've dived quite a lot of the great places around the world, you know, Philippines, Thailand, uh, Great Barrier Reef, you know, wh- where's ne- where else can you go that you haven't been?
0: Um, yeah, so this year um, I was trying to get out to the Azores. Um, they've got a really cool population of Mobula Tarapacana, the sicklefin devilry, um, on uh, some of the sites there. And also, um, yeah, some really cool diving. So that was, I was hoping to do that this summer, but didn't quite manage to do it um so that's still up there i was in socorro uh yeah it was this january um and although it was absolutely incredible i was not the most lucky person on the boat so there was a few things that i missed out on didn't quite get to see um so i'd love to go back to socorro um isn't that a
1: dive though when you get back to the dive boat you go well, did you see that, did you see that, like, frogfish? And somebody would go, yeah, but did you see the shark,
0: though? And you're like, no? Yeah, exactly. Well, it was like that on every dive of this trip, and I was there with uh Dr. Guy Stevens, my my boss and founder of the charity, and he is very lucky underwater, so he would come back, and we would just stagger the dives by sort of 10 or 15 minutes, and he would come back, and they had dolphins playing around Whoa. and, like, touching the strobes of his camera, and I didn't see any dolphins, so... <laughs> Oh well. Um, Dive. What's going on? Yeah. So if you uh, if you want to go diving, don't bring me along because I'm not very lucky. (laughs)
2: That must be very frustrating.
0: It it is rather. Um, So is he still involved?
1: Is is he still heavily involved in the
0: organisation? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. um, Incredibly busy publishing papers, supervising master's students and other PhD students. yeah he rarely gets to spend any time kind of in the field anymore I think it's it's all um, in the office unfortunately but, no, that's good.
2: yeah and have you got mant- mantas aside have you got a, a favorite marine animal
0: in mind? uh I love humpback whales um I've seen them a few times uh in the water um yeah i I'd say they're they're up there as well yeah. similar sort of thing with mantas where they are you can sense that there's something going on there probably more so for for humpback whales but even with a manta that's a fish there's definitely some sort of like recognition and understanding going on there um, and yeah with a humpback whale it's kind of on another level which
1: and it's like, again, is that it, you know you kind of think really you're going to hunt them yeah you know why would you
0: yeah exactly
1: it's no sense at all yeah but there you go, it's subject.
0: And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to be in the water with orcas. But again, I either need to find a dry suit or uh, get incredibly lucky somewhere warm and tropical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they're amazing animals as well, they orcas. So if you could take three people in to see manta rays, right, who, and that could be from anyone from history, but maybe they're decision makers, you know, with everything that we've discussed, you could take three people in to go see them and see, you know, um, you know what's what's going on, and make them aware. Who would you take in? Oh,
0: that is a tricky one. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it would definitely have to be probably politicians, um, probably from sort of China or Hong Kong or or sort of um, East Asia, where a lot of this guild plate trade is being driven from. Um or I mean another tact is is celebrities in those areas. Um I mean while they had huge, huge success using Yao Ming as the sort of um front cover of their of their uh, illegal wildlife trade and shark fin campaigns. Yeah. So getting those sorts of celebrities on board and having them spread the word and yeah. Having them in the water and, and sort of seeing them is a whole different thing to just reaching out to them and being like hey can you talk about this for us that's, whereas if they've, quite if they, yeah, if they've seen quite the mentors cool. themselves then more engaged yeah.
1: when you think about it, that's actually quite a clever answer because you know so many people today are influenced by uh people online youtube and stuff like that even more so you now sometimes they have more power mm. than politicians
0: yeah
1: you know, and uh, things never get changed unless there's enough people power yeah. to push back on politics. So if you want to get the word out there,
0: yeah, either either go direct to the politicians or to try and change as many yeah. many sort of uh, normal folk out there in the community and get them involved and engaged. Yeah, yeah I like that. No,
2: that's good. So when you're doing some research in the field and actually diving, um trying to look for a manta, have you got a favourite piece of dive equipment or piece of kit? That don't go uh, in down? Uh
0: my camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I'm quite into my underwater photography. I don't think I can quite call myself professional yet, but um yeah, I I'm always scared of going in without it because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> never know what, what I'm gonna see. Got? What have you so, got? Um I've just changed from a, a DSLR, Nikon, um, I've just changed to Panasonic GH5. Right. Um, so trying to shift into videography rather than photography. Um, yeah. But yeah, I kind of got it at the beginning of this year and then haven't been able to use it very much. So.
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting you say that because a lot of people just prefer to stick with photography because the whole processing is easier. And
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Well, once you get into photo- uh, video, you know, so the processing is mm-hmm. a lot more... Um, it's not always as
0: straightforward. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, I wouldn't say photography is easier, but it's it's definitely very different. It's
1: yeah.
0: it's that one single frame, and once you've got that, yeah, a bit of post editing, and like and you're done.
1: Use, but, uh, yeah, the process is simpl- simplified.
0: Yeah, I, I would say so. Whereas with video, it's a whole story that you need to try and plan, and then you need to edit, and then find music and. Right. All sorts of other things. Um, but I th- I also think it is, I don't know, it can be a more effective way of, of getting a message through. Yeah. But then on the flip side, with the way sort of social media works at the moment, people's attention span on, on social media is so short. So putting up a three, four minute video and people only watch 15 seconds of it. And well, two and a half minutes was a waste of my time, wasn't it? It's, it's criminal when you think about it because you put a video together.
2: And do all that work.
0: I know. And it's gone
1: <laughs> You know, yeah, they go flick flick and that's why stories yeah really well
0: yeah nice and short and sweet um but again also photos like people will stop and look at a photo and they've taken all of that in yeah they haven't looked for as long as they probably should at that photo to really appreciate it but yeah. at least like they've seen that whole piece whereas a, a video on social media so often people just barely see any of it unfortunately yeah, we're
1: finding that stories um are getting more powerful because we're getting, you know, you might see post you know, a handful or, you know, we'll, we'll only interact with that sto- uh, post, but yeah. stories, a few hundred people uh, yeah. are, 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 are looking at them, are seeing them stories.
2: Yeah, it's just the hit raise. It? Yeah, mm. it's good. <laughs> okay, so after you've been diving, looking for your mantas, do you have a post-dive favourite meal or drink?
0: Um... Depends where I am in the world. Uh, hot chocolate is always nice if it's been a bit chilly. Um, that always goes down well.
2: Hey, Dad. <laughs> no, when
0: you're on
1: liverboard, they give you the hot
0: chocolate. Exactly. Yeah. Blue, then, uh,
1: blue, O2, blue O2. There you go. You blue O2 hot chocolate. Lovely.
0: Right. Nice warm hand towel and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of a meal, uh, I don't really know. I something probably something with pasta because I even though I'm just diving, I seem to burn so much energy and I get really hungry. Um, I think any diver knows that on a liverboard, all you do is eat constantly. Um, Yeah, so pasta or something heavy like that. Yeah. Cool, that's
1: good. good. So, um, last question then. So, if you've got a billboard and you can put a message on that billboard, it can be a statement, it can be an image, it can be a question, but you want to get a message out to the millions of people By using this billboard, what would be the one thing you put on it?
0: Uh, So for me personally, I would maybe take this away from Manta Trust a little bit. Um, I've recently set up my own charity called Fish Free February. Um, So it's kind of a campaign to basically get people to reduce the amount of seafood they're eating and be more aware of where it's coming from. Uh, Using February as kind of like a can you not eat? any seafood for 28, 29 days of February, and then uh, reduce your consumption in general, because yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sort of movement towards this um, greener diet, more eco-friendly diet, but I feel like seafood gets left out of the picture quite a lot, a lot of the um, messages about sort of beef and cattle and and how it's destroying the Amazon, um, whereas the oceans, I feel get kind of left out of the picture. So yeah, um, I've literally just, Registered that as a charity in the last few weeks, so that's all quite exciting. So I probably use the billboard to uh, to put up a big <laughs> campaign um, poster about trying to get people to to go fish-free in February. Yeah.
1: So fish-free February.
0: Yeah.
2: Brilliant.
0: Yeah. So, uh, do you eat fish? Uh, I don't. I do sometimes when I'm out in the Maldives or something. Um, I again, I try to be as vegetarian as possible. I wouldn't. I can't claim to be fully vegetarian, but um, yeah, when I'm out in the Maldives often the the sort of food availability isn't the same as what we have here you can't find tofu and you can't find all this sort of stuff and eating fish is probably a lot more sustainable than eating chicken that's been flown in from brazil or something like that so um yeah i do sometimes when i'm out in the field like that but here in the uk when i have the the choice and the and the options that we have here in the uk no I don't eat any seafood anymore oh.
1: that is uh, what it's all about it's choice
0: yeah. yeah
2: and knowing what's sustainable and what's not as well
0: yeah yeah and I mean with this sort of thing I'm I'm all for reducing people's impact I, I, I don't really agree with the sort of shoving it down your neck and like you should never eat this ever again or you should never do this ever again um, getting people to reduce I'd rather get lots of people to do it imperfectly than a few people to do it perfectly yeah. kind of thing. Yeah.
2: And it's even a small change that all contributes to the bigger picture, which is exactly.
0: what's, what's
1: important to get children on, on board, because, you know, in the day, as you said, they are the future, as Michael <laughs> Jackson said, you know, and it's about education, it? education of the children so they get to know these things, mm. you know, yeah. hopefully
0: that will change the yeah. future.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's all good.
2: So have you got any questions for us?
0: um when are you guys out diving next do you know
2: so hopefully
0: maybe in a couple of weeks yeah,
2: we, our last dive was last friday
0: yeah okay So, are you working. you just sticking to uk waters at the moment
1: yeah 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 for the time being that um well for foreseeable future really um i think that'd be nice to do another liverboard at some stage um and that'd be awesome for you yeah because
2: i'm quite a new diver i only qualified in july so oh wow yeah, so, so, so it kind of is nice knowing that so much being talked about about UK diving and about all the different, you know, from Scotland to the South Coast and you know, what we've got on the East Coast Yeah. and the inland uh, waters as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, so in terms of our listeners, where can they go to find out more about the
0: Manta Trust? Uh, yeah, so obviously our website is probably the best place. Um, it's got loads of information on there. Um, all about what are mantas and mobula rays, the threats to them, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, You can find our entire kind of webinar series from earlier this year on there as well. Um, And you can also find all the information about if you want to support Manta Trust, how to go about that with either adopting a manta or um, joining the cyclone. And then we're also on social media on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, all at Manta Trust, one word. Um, or sign up to our newsletter as well. Um, that's also available through our website. Um, and yeah, if anyone's got any questions about mantas or, or anything that we do, um, we're we're always here waiting. Um, so just drop us an email. Yeah,
2: that's good to know. Yeah.
0: It is, yeah, that's good. Get them Christmas presents in and adopt their <laughs> manta
2: as yeah.
0: well. done, haven't I? Right
1: Perfect. Yep, awesome. That's great. That's brilliant thank you very much for your time thank you thank you very
0: much no worries well thanks for thanks for having me
1: great okay well have a nice meeting you. you and thank you very much for your time
0: you too guys thank you very much
1: Simon. thank you Cheers. bye so we're back uh what do you think to that jen do you yeah, enjoy that
2: super interesting that mentors yeah, and hopefully we'll one day we'll have one named after us
1: no there at all so that would be brilliant wouldn't it? So uh, I was thinking we could add that on and uh, keep a track of where it is,
0: yeah, how cool would that be?
1: Awesome animals and uh, they just got to, I haven't seen one in the wild that must be absolutely amazing to go see so uh, hopefully one day that'll be really good once we all get out and about again in the <laughs> back release. in the water you know so uh, yeah. As we said earlier, we're under lockdown, aren't we? So, at the moment, for a few more weeks, a couple more, two more weeks, weeks, and then hopefully we should all be released and get back in the water. That should be really nice. Anyway, so coming up on the Big Scoop podcast next week on episode 44, we have yet another guest who has done some really amazing photos photos yeah and
2: he's an author as well he is yes.
1: which just happens to have a new book coming out called bold and temperate seas yeah. and uh and this this is a really good book if you have a look look at up. it's coming out on the 25th isn't it? wednesday the
2: 25th yeah you'll be able to put your orders in
1: through amazon and other book outlets yeah and it is full of some really great photos and um, wasn't just put together by Will, it was put together by Will and his friends, there's several contributors involved in this making this book um, and we're actually going to be talking to most of the people who were involved in the book and there'll be a little extra snippet coming out Will,
2: yeah. about
1: how they and why uh, they put the photos that they put in. And it's
2: both, it's all about diving sites around the UK. It is, so yeah. It's really yeah important at the moment. Some
1: of the wrecks, um, there's like the M2 wreck submarine of, in the UK, uh, Lundy Island that's in there.
2: Yeah, there's loads there, so 50 places to look must... at and make some plans for when the diving... Yeah, the weather's great to go sea diving. And even about access to the point and parking. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of an all-round guide, which is great. Yeah, and we also there's need to shout out stuff. to the, the published which is Dived Up?
1: Alex Gibson as well. Yeah, so he's been great. Yeah. So, and uh, he he does various other books as well. He does, isn't? and
2: there's there's
1: another book coming out next week as well. There what? is. Yeah. So uh, we'll be giving you details on that as well. So there we go. Dived Up and Wild and Temperate Seas: Fifty Favorite UK Dives.
2: Order your copy
1: now. Absolutely. You do do what Gemma says. <laughs> All right. So that's that, don't forget the YouTube, there'll be a like subscribe button about there-ish somewhere. Well,
2: yeah, there'll be some product reviews to come
1: out, with. Right, then. We'll be yes, busy. yeah. Um, product reviews, and we are always looking for people who want to join us, if they've got things that they want us to sell, we're doing, th- you know, often looking at that. And if you are in a band or DJ, a DJ would be really good. We haven't had a DJ, we've had bands, haven't we? Yeah. But, you know, if you want us to help get your music out there, by all means, you know, send it through and we'll see if we can share it. Anyway, I'm going to go down and lay down in that dark room. You do a lot of
2: laying down in dark rooms. I've had CrossFit
1: this morning, so now I've got to recuperate. So, moving on. Okay, right, that's it for me. That's it for me. We'll see you all soon. See you on the next one. Bye.